anyway, the thing about walking with Jesus, the reason that I wanted to get into this particular process, and I think it's going to take a while. I've had some people that have mentioned to me the idea of preaching some sermon series. Certainly doing sermon series when you use a book. She's trying. See, everybody's trying to make my thing better. It's not going to improve it. This is just the best I got to offer. The, uh, but I do appreciate it. The, um, the idea of preaching a sermon series, usually we tend to think someone would preach from a book of the Scripture. And they would go through the thing very slowly. And we may do that at some point. But I've got a different kind of series that I'm thinking about right now, which is kind of a review of how Jesus has presented his message and who he is in his character and his personality. Um, I've been reading quite a bit over the last few years uh, and been talking with some different friends of mine who kind of live on the edge as far as some of their thinking, but they, they've stretched me to recognize that sometimes we truly do put Christ in a box. We put Him in our religion box. And then we become those kind of Sunday Christians that have, are very, very successful in treating Christ in a certain way and allowing our Christian life to be a certain way. For most of us today in this room, knowledge of the Bible probably, for most of you, is not your biggest problem. We already know our church is well known for having good courses on church history, uh, New Testament, Old Testament, uh, basic kinds of theology, uh, Christian doctrines, those types of things. So we, we're, we're people who are really good at memorizing and coming up with some of the facts. But one of the issues when we talk about being a Christian that we have to take serious is what the definition of Christian is. We talk about Christian meaning that we're a follower of Christ. That means we've really got to be intimate in our understanding of who Christ is. Not just the facts, but how He functioned. What His character was. How did He deal with decision-making? Did He dare to challenge society? Did he stand tall when the pressures came? What are the things that we need, if we're a true follower of Christ, to adjust in our own lives to be like Jesus? If we are truly like Christ, we're actually taking a, a pretty risky step with our lives. Because that means we are willing to also take some of the pressures stresses, and in Christ's case, sacrifices all the way down to where He was put on a cross. So I want us to at least consider seriously, if we're going to use the terminology that we're a follower of Christ, what it means to us personally and what you're willing to sacrifice for that. So we're going to be looking at that, but today... I also have to recognize that, you know, when we come together on Sunday, we have different motivations for coming to church. Some of us come here because we're truly hungry for worshiping God. We've had a difficult week. We've been through issues. We've been through struggles. And we need, need hunger for, indeed, fellowship with God. We come, and when somebody gets up here and prays, we're just, our heart is touched because we need that help to remind us of our relationship to God. And someone else may pray in a different way than you pray. 
And that also assists us in our connection with God. For some people, we come on Sunday morning to see our friends. The motivation may not be as pure, but it is certainly a fact. For some, we come on Sunday morning because it's what I do every Sunday morning. There are different reasons that we come together, but the question for us is, how do I use this opportunity? How do I allow God to reach inside of me and change me and make me more than what I can be by myself? Jesus is our role model. When we call ourselves Christians, that's what we talk about. You know, the term we use in the book of John is talking about abiding in Christ. Today, if we had a little more time and a little more energy and I felt a little more comfortable about it, I would challenge you to turn to those around you and ask yourself the question, is there a difference in being a disciple and abiding in Christ? Is there a difference in being a follower of Jesus or a hearer of Jesus? You know, John 15 challenges us all the way through saying, if we will abide, He will abide. It's a, it's a, it's a covenant relationship as we relate to Christ. The challenge that we have in our lives basically today is to say, do we know how to appropriately combine what we do and what we learn? Learning is, um, you know, I, it's something I remember uh, living in Asia where we, Sun Jung San, what is his name? Sun Yat Sen, does that help a little bit? President Sun, you know, the guy from back in history? Okay, here we go. Um, you know, one of his things was to talk about how you combine the issue of whether doing things is hard or learning is easy or whether it was doing things is easy and learning is hard. You know, which is, which is more difficult, the learning or the doing? The challenge for us is to realize there's nothing wrong with learning. But if the doing is not tied to the learning, there's something wrong. So I don't care which one you do first, but we do have to do both. We do have to memorize. We do have to study. We do have to learn. We do have to grow in our knowledge. But, but the bottom line still is, are we allowing God to change us to make us more? Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. We put that uh, up, I think, on the scripture uh, earlier. Matthew 1, 18 to 25 is a radical testimony of the birth of Jesus. If you reflect, in your, and you may want to look in your scripture since we don't have it on the screen today, but uh, Matthew 1, 18 to 25 is the challenge for us related to being a follower of Christ, to be a disciple, the demand that our values and our character is more. You know, we, we look at this, but I want you to, I've written something I kind of want to challenge us with as we kind of review and you just kind of look through those verses in your own Bible. I've thought about this thing a little bit, and I thought about, you know, Christ came into this world under very unusual circumstances. It made him very special. Then I thought, you know, what was it like for Jesus when he was young? Now, I want to emphasize what I'm about to read to you is something I wrote. 
It is not inerrant. This is not from Scripture. This is not biblical. Do not say, Gardner said the Bible teaches. No, it does not. But I want you to think with me for a moment about Christ. Think about Him as a youngster. Think about when He's like a third grader or a fourth grader. And the teacher says to him and to the group, Children, I'd like for you to introduce yourself to your classmates today. Jesus stands up and Jesus says, My name is Jesus. I was born in a stable not too far from here because my parents couldn't find a good place in the hotel. The teacher says, Jesus, stand up straight when you talk. Now tell us about your parents. Jesus says, My mom was a very godly teenager when she birthed me. She prays often, even to this day, but according to her, she really prayed a lot about that time, especially the time when I was born, for she was totally not planning to have a baby before she got married. You see, my mom wasn't married at the time that she found out she was pregnant. The teacher says, oh, I see. She was an unwed mother. Well, our society today has many of these unfortunate challenges as well. We try not to make judgments on people who have special struggles. Indeed, the government is trying to educate youngsters better today about, Jesus says, oh, no, 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 wait. You don't understand. My mom was chosen by God to have her child, and she was happy to have me because she, even though she wasn't married and hadn't been with a man in that way, she wasn't quite clear how she'd gotten pregnant. Yet, based on what I understand at this point, Mom was convinced that God had given her a special blessing as that was communicated to her and that she was uh, blessed by having me as her son. I've got a great mom, and she always guides me toward God. The teacher says, hmm, sure. Well, that's an interesting story about your mom. Children, please settle down and let Jesus tell his story. You'll get a chance to tell yours later. Jesus, tell us about your father. Oh, their stories are a bit different, uh, but also interesting. I suppose you want to hear about my earthly and heavenly father both, right? The teacher says, honestly, Jesus, most of your story is interesting, but please do try to tell the truth sometimes. Making up stories is fun, but today's time is supposed to be a true time of storytelling. Jesus says, I understand. I always speak the truth. Well, I do have two fathers. One is an earthly father whose name is Joseph. Oh, yes, my mom's name was Mary, by the way. Anyway, my dad is a great guy who married my mom, so she'd have a husband. I guess he was worried about her being lonely. He used to tell me stories about how an angel had encouraged him to marry mom, so he always known uh, that mom was the best wife that God could possibly have given him. The teacher says, an angel told him to marry your mom? Jesus says, yes. He said, the angel told him mom was the person for him to marry. He also told me many things about my father. Hmm, other father? Yeah, when, uh, when I was born, it was because God wanted to be my father. God created me and put me inside my mom. And that was why I've always known from both my mom and dad that I was the son of two fathers. Teacher, okay, Jesus, I think we'll stop here. I may need to talk with your mom and dad soon about your imagination and stories. 
if we really think about the situation of Jesus, we have to realize pressure was going to be on him throughout life. You know, we tend to stop somehow in our thinking and just take it as fact, 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 keep moving. But for the non-Christian who comes in contact with Christ, they are asking questions about all of these strange things that they don't understand. When you say that he was born of a virgin, when you say that he grew up with, with uh, other children but he did not sin, it's confusing to people. Jesus had a lot of pressure on himself as a child. Challenges our normal thinking to even understand it. But we do need to recognize that being different, being strange or unique, if you want to call it, did not threaten Jesus. The question that I have for you and me is, when we are viewed as strange or different because of our faith, does it threaten us and do we compromise at that point? Jesus didn't compromise throughout his life. Jesus was so focused on the things of God and the calling of His Father that He was faithful through it all. Mary, when, when the birth occurred, was claiming to have, been having, to have had a birth without ever being with a man. Joseph, anybody would have thought Joseph was crazy to marry a pregnant woman that said that the baby came from God. For us, how do we establish our eyes of Jesus when we talk about being a Christian? One point is dealing with the birth of Christ. A second point is dealing with the children, or when Christ was a child. When Christ was a child, again, radical values. How are your values? How are your decisions made? Jesus, when in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, verses 41 to 52, which was the second part of our scriptures today, we saw that Jesus was not intentionally rebellious, but... He did do things that didn't make uh, a lot of sense to a lot of people. Remember the situation. Jesus and his family and all the friends in that particular town went to the bigger city to pay their taxes. And they were all going and, and registering and doing what they had to do. They completed their responsibilities. They packed up as a big, huge group. And they were all traveling on the road, walking back, and eventually realized that Jesus was not part of their party. At that point, they, the parents had to turn around, spend time, go back to try to find Jesus. As we remember that story, we have to look at it from the per parents' perspective for just a moment. From the parents' perspective, you know, we talk about Jesus not being rebellious. Well, it looks a little rebellious. It's not what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to be with them, and Christ wasn't there. And yet we say Jesus was never one to sin. So apparently it's not sinful what he did. But what he did do was certainly something that made the parents uncomfortable. They went and spent several days looking for him. They didn't know where. They were frantic trying to find him. When they finally did find Jesus, he was in a temple. You know, pretty unique 12-year-old kid. Now, I don't know how you are, and I don't know when you started your faith walk, but it's amazing how many churches I've been around that basically treated children as incapable of making decisions for Christ. 
For myself, I became a Christian when I was very young. I was nine. If you had asked me, and you asked me to this day, what was my theological understanding? The only thing I knew was I was a sinner, Jesus loved me, and He accepted me as His, as his follower. And if I would confess my sin, He was just to receive me and allow me to become a son of God and also be in His family. Very simple theology. If you had asked me, describe um, transubstantiation or consubstantiation or some wonderful predestination or something, I would have just looked with my big eyes and said, what in the world are you talking about? You don't have to be a theologian to become a Christian. But you do have to know what Jesus did for you. And so for me, my walk began young. Christ began young. At age 12, he was in a temple basically teaching. Now, his teaching method may have been asking questions, but being able to ask questions of true theologians, not a small matter. My point there is to say, guys, respect your children. Respect them early. They can be impacted with the Holy Spirit working in their lives very early. And we should give them that opportunity. Give them the opportunity to grow. Um, it's, it's just something that we sometimes don't give adequate credit to our children, and we just don't know how to do with them, deal with them. If you today were challenged with that same kind of a situation, and you were with a child and you'd lost your child at a local mall someplace, would you not have been nervous and scared as a parent? And yet, this, these parents had to go through several days seeking to find that child. When they found the child, do you run up to the child and you say, I'm going to spank you big time for that? Or do you walk up and hug them and are just thankful that they're alive and they're doing well? And yet you're still asking the question, Jesus, why are you there? And Jesus said, isn't this where I was supposed to be? I'm here for purpose. God put me here for a reason. If we're followers of Christ, we have to be people of faith. I'm sure that Mary and Joseph, when they went back, they were really struggling because, in fact, their understanding of the situation and what was going on, a little bit of confusion in there. Because, you know, it's very, very interesting because even though Christ told her immediately, I'm here because God put me here, and I'm here, isn't this where I'm supposed to be? It says that, that, that really there was not full understanding on the part of Mary and Joseph at that point. But still, Mary put the thought back in her heart. Put it back in there and continue to think. I wonder what all that meant when he said that. But then she went ahead and she took her child home and they brought up the child in following the Lord. So the first thing we look at is when Christ was born, it was a unique circumstance. When children are growing up at that point, we have to think how we're going to bring them up. Then we see Christ at a next level where it really is, is a child level. And then we have him as a 12-year-old, a little older. 
where he's going through experiences. And again, Christ presents a model that would look almost rebellious to you and me, but actually for Christ it was normal. We need to look at our children and look at the decisions they make and, and what they're considering, and what they're thinking, and spend time with them to help them walk through their ideas. Sometimes their ideas will take us in a direction we may not feel comfortable, but we need to at least respect them and talk with them and hear how they think. Because sometimes they may be walking down a right path, as Jesus was walking down a path that his parents didn't even understand at the time. The third thing I want to mention today is baptism. Because for a foundational level for Jesus, baptism was also part of his step. Before we begin to look at deep, deep teachings of Christ, the hard sayings of Christ, we will be looking at the hard sayings of Jesus in the future in our scriptures in here and when we're going through these for worship. But when we look at the baptism, we have to remember in the book of Mark, Verse, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. And then also in Luke, uh, chapter 3. There are just different scriptures that go through this, but I'm going to read specifically from Matthew 3, 13 to 17. It says, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lightning, uh, lighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Last week in our church we had nine people that were baptized. Why were they baptized? And what was the meaning of that baptism? You know, we have to realize that to become a Christian is to be like Christ, to be a follower of Christ. So somewhere that baptism has to have significant meaning. Matthew 3, there was no church to join. So there was never a confusion on Christ saying, oh, you're baptized so you can become a member of the church. That thinking wasn't there. So why was Christ baptized in the first place? John certainly didn't understand. John's first response to him was, well, I can't baptize you. If anybody's going to do any baptizing, it's you baptizing me. So somewhere in their understanding of baptism was an association between themselves and God. And there was a radical obedience, a radical spiritual obedience that was going on because, indeed, Christ felt that he needed to model the importance of giving oneself fully to God. There was a model of identification that was going on at that point. To be a follower and disciple of Christ, we are to humble ourselves completely. Jesus was the perfect one. He was our servant leader. He could have come as a king. He chose not to. Hard for me to understand. Most of this is hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to understand that we're to follow a servant leader who was born in a stable of a virgin who stood up to his parents even at age 12 saying, I have to focus on the things of God more than anything you can understand. 
Those are all things that for most people would be seen as a little rebellious, a little unique, a little challenging. At birth, in childhood, in baptism, what did Jesus model? In birth, in childhood, and in baptism. This is the foundation for the walk that we're going to be looking at. Because you know and I know that most of the teachings in the Scripture deal with Jesus after He has become an adult and working. And the, all this other, this is, this is the preparatory stuff at this point. But even in the preparatory part of understanding Jesus, we're looking at somebody that is not average. Not average. When you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow a not average individual. Now, if you say, I'm willing to follow a not average individual, that means it may challenge our traditions may challenge our customs, may challenge our comfort, may challenge our rules, our regulations, our habits. Because, you know, we've got to recognize, and we will be recognizing as we look in Scripture at this, the truth is Jesus, when it came to religion, was pretty rebellious. Jesus stepped in and He said, religion won't get you into a proper relationship with the Father. He said, walking with Him would. At birth and in childhood and in baptism, what did Jesus model? If I asked you to write that down at this point, I don't know what you would write. If you were to write down... What was Jesus actually modeling? Was he modeling courage? Was he modeling strength? Was he modeling boldness, dedication, love, care? What was Jesus modeling through the life that he lived? Because we are here as Christians today with a goal of saying we're going to follow his model. If we don't understand him, how are we going to really follow him? We tend to want to follow the religious Jesus. The Sunday morning, come and study a little bit, and then go out and go have lunch together, Jesus. But what Jesus is saying is, I want people to follow me who are fully sold out. Who are fully committed. What did Jesus model? We all know that last Friday, a week ago, we celebrated, in a way, dealing with the passion of Christ as Christ was put on a cross. That was dedication for Christ. That was commitment for Christ. And it was giving all He could possibly give. Brothers and sisters, our church has to have that kind of a commitment. Why do I have Tony coming in to do some training to, for evangelism? It's because I believe your friends, your relatives, the people you know and others that you don't know need Jesus. 
But they need Jesus in a way much deeper than just memorize some facts. They need a Jesus who will reach into their heart and be relevant and be authentic. My prayer for us today is that we will allow the birth, childhood, and baptism of Jesus to get us started in an exciting journey as we try to find out who Jesus really was and how He can impact our lives as we are followers of Him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank You this day for allowing us a place to come together and worship. I thank You for allowing us the opportunity to know Jesus as more than just a historical figure, but as the one who gives our life meaning. In Jesus' name, amen.